tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and I have titled this episode, Fueling the Feud, Controlling COVID, and Techno, Serfdom. Why? You got technocrats like Jeff Bezos, Sundar Pichai, man, you know, Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, all testifying before Congress, but you wouldn't hear a word of it. Because protests, because racism, because COVID. Yeah, we talk about the new Illuminati in this episode and more in this action-packed edition. But first, a few quick updates. I should let you guys know that due to our increasing levels of censorship, we will be launching our web app with news and content. If we get more people to join us, we might actually get the live streaming capability farther on down the line. Uh, but you'll hear more about that as things get developed. Also, you can find the minicast we did testing our foundations in the minicast or in the link in the description bar below. Uh, also, I didn't really mention it a lot throughout this transmission, but the country's going to crap. You need to get storable goods, and the best way to do that is to work with our affiliate, My Patriot Supply. You can find out all that information in the description bar below. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 1025, season 10, episode 25. We're more than halfway through the year, coronavirus is free still, but that does not stop the authoritarians from trying to inject me some type of chemical concoction. Or you either. You know, I have, this is now the fourth time that I have redone this intro. I've talked about uh, Jeffrey Epstein's flat logs being released. I've talked about uh, capitalism triumphing over communism and how capitalism produces so much wealth that it can create uh, philanthropists donations, charity drives, all kinds of different things like this. I also talked about uh, Japan debuting their 60-foot-tall Japanese Gundam robot and how in the future we might have space battles and UFOs and all kinds of cool stuff. I'm not quite sure how to start this episode off because, well, these are all the things that are happening right now. I'm trying to find a cool, subtle, nuanced way to tell you, hey, all these things that were considered conspiracy theory are being revealed now. I'm trying to find a, a, a simple way to explain it, but that's ever so difficult in the year 2020. Our lives seem like something out of a comic book where we have supervillains known as Bill Gates trying to talk about inoculating the entire populace to save them from a disease that he created. Like I told you last week, imagine a disease, a, a, a virus, so lethal that you have to be tested to see if you have it. Yes, we're being held hostage 95 days out from the election. We are being held hostage by an invisible foe. As I have been saying throughout the entirety of this year, we have been infected with authoritarianism. Authoritarianism and lawlessness. 
the wolves at our door. You're either indoctrinated or you're a terrorist. Yeah, these are the uh, <laughs> these are the options before us, gang. So before I go ahead and get started with this episode, I kind of want to touch on something briefly. You guys know I'm crazy. I make no I make no bones about that. Uh, but what I w- earlier this week, I had mentioned how there are multiple truth seekers within this community that I've come up with who I see becoming increasingly mentally unstable. Is the easiest way to say it. And I'm not a pillar of mental health myself. I think you're all very much aware of this. But I think, you know, the fact that this stuff can drive somebody crazy. (laughs) Talking about this type of stuff, as interesting as it is, trying to connect all the dots and explain it in the fashion that we do, it's fun. You know, it's like a puzzle. It's like playing with a Rubik's Cube every single week, and the configurations are different, yet still the same. Imagine that. Yeah, no, we, uh, I said earlier this week uh, that we need to begin to pray for, for fellow truth seekers within this so-called conscious community because they are indeed losing their mind. And I say this because, again, these are people that I have come up with during that six to seven years. Some of the people that we've had over here on the show, maybe only once or twice because they couldn't come back on. Uh, And I say this because, again, they're becoming increasingly mentally unstable. And so when I tell you, you, the audience, the person listening right now, you guys have helped iron out my mental instability. You've helped me perfect some of my problems. You've helped the podcast become a somewhat mirror and a platform for every person involved, be it the guests, myself, the audience, whoever, to reflect in an appropriate way to where we're still based in reality. Like I say all the time, we try to prove conspiracy theories over here, right? We don't just say chemtrails are happening and they're trying to kill us. We explain that Bill Gates teamed up with Harvard to spray calcium carbonate in the sky and how this will block out the sun and how this is going to affect us and how we actually receive more information from light than we think. And so by Bill Gates blocking out the sun, he is therefore damaging us. Yeah, see, we can explain that, but there are other people within this so-called conscious community that don't have these these facts or this information to readily call upon. And so while they're aware of all these things, the, 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 the connecting of them, the explanation, right, is not there. And so they're just they're, and so they're losing their mind seeing all these things go down, but not having an effective way to explain it. Being able to process your emotions, process this information, make it relevant, that's a very real thing. Especially given the fringe type of topics that we discuss over here. But again, at the same time, be based in reality, finding practical solutions instead of giving into the paranoia and the fear. I'll put it to you guys this way. How would you feel if every episode I began to tell you that the military-industrial complex was creeping in on me and I had nothing to do? How would you feel if more of my hysteria, more of my antics and shenanigans, if more of that was exalted 
instead of us actually trying to dig into the meat and potatoes of what's happening and break it down. And that's what I'm explaining. That's what I'm trying to talk about. There are people that have been so woke and so deep for so long that they're lost, that they have literally lost their minds. I think everybody kind of, I'll say this and start getting into the topics. I think everybody kind of hits that point when they research things, whether it be cloning, satanic ritual abuse, Morgellons, chemtrails, you know, vaccines, GMOs, uh, deep underground military bases, aliens, any of this type of strange stuff. I think everybody kind of has a self-reflection moment and begins to get really, really paranoid thinking, well, good Lord, is this going to happen to me? Is the abyss going to start staring back at me? I think everybody has that gut check moment and they snap back. But for people who live in that hysterical moment, in that paranoia, in that fear, it's very hard to snap them back, my friends. Especially once you've what what once you've been woken, right? Once you take that pill, <laughs> you can't go back. And so when I say that we need to pray for some for certain people within this conscious community, I think to a degree I'm saying we need to pray for people in general. Because it's not just people within the conscious community whose mental health is 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 deteriorating right now. It's everybody. Everybody is 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 at this point because they're so uncertain and confused to where this is destroying their mind, racking their brain, shaking their heart, you see. And I think all I can really say to begin getting into the topics is get faith, get closer to God, get focused, and and, and get away from media. It's important to be informed, but it's also even more important to have that spiritual nourishment People are not okay, and we need to figure out how to pray for them. We need to figure out how to pray for them, work with these people, bring them back, and at the same time, talk about a pathway forward. Because if we can't heal our own, if we can't help those that have helped us get to where we're trying to go, we're saying empty words. We're saying things that mean nothing. You see. I was going to talk about, you know, purging emotions and the importance behind all that stuff. But I think I'll save that for later on in the show. I don't want to get too, uh, too, too introspective and too emotional right up off the bat. <laughs> so with that being said, let's start the show. So over the weekend, we had protests in Portland, Austin and in other cities. Firebombs being thrown, people being snatched off the street, snatch and grabs, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. They've been, I guess, protesting in Portland for over 60 days now. They just continued what happened with Chaz Chop, and then it's just evolved. That'll play a huge part in what we talk about in the third segment, why people are able to protest for 60 days because nobody's working. Uh, but this growing instability, this civil unrest that you see unfolding nationwide, you have Representative Democratic Representative Jerry Nadler saying that those riots and protests you see in Portland that they're a myth. This about the Boston that's happening in Portland right now. That's, 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 that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington D.C. Antifa in Portland? Yes, it's sir. There's there's videos everywhere online. There's fires and riots. There's they're throwing fireworks at uh, federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It's crazy, Mr. Nadler. 
Crazy. Crazy. He is gaslighting that type of behavior. Democratic Representative Jerry Nadler claimed without evidence on Sunday that the violent Antifa riots in Portland do not exist. According to the House Judiciary Committee chairman, the violent riots that have paralyzed Portland have drawn the attention of the national media. They're a myth. Representative Nadler's remarks directly contradict video evidence that is widely available on social media and contradict what the Department of Homeland Security says is happening in Portland. Quote, the violent situation Portland has witnessed for the past eight weeks continues without with with violent anarchists rioting on the streets as federal law enforcement officers work diligently and honorably to enforce federal law, defend federal property and protect their lives of their federal officers. Uh, DHS said in a statement on Sunday. So Jerry Nadler, that hunchback crone troll, says that there's no there's no protests right now. What are you talking about? There's no riots going on. For audio listeners, I'm playing uh, <laughs> I'm playing a clip that shows what seems to be like at least uh, maybe four, five, or six tanks and a wall of soldiers. And then there's a little divide right there. And then on the other side of that divide are civilians, probably maybe 50, 75 to 100, 100 people or so. Yeah, let me, let me tell you about these protests that happened over the weekend that Jerry Nadler said didn't happen. This comes from Justin News, Not the Noise. It's by Sophie Mann. They put this up July 27th. It says, weekend protests in Portland and Austin and in other cities are marked by violence with one person dead. It says police in, prote- police in Portland this past weekend found a bag contained loaded rifle magazines and Molotov cocktails in a park in which protests have continued for the past 60 days. Officers found the bag Sunday during a protest. The U.S. agents declared an unlawful assembly. They released tear gas, pepper balls, and flashbangs while protesters climbed the fence surrounding the nearby courthouse and shot fireworks into the open. In Austin... Police identified an armed protester who was killed by gunfire Saturday night by an individual who had driven into a crowd protesting police violence. Garrett Foster, 28, succumbed to his injuries at a hospital, according to an Associated Press report. Foster's mom, Sheila Foster, told ABC's Good Morning America that her son and his fiance had been participating in the protests almost every day for the past 50 days. Yeah, Garrett Foster's death is apparently a myth compared to what or compared to what uh Jerry Nadler said. Yeah, one person dying is a myth. But you see, that's a part of that growing instability. You see. Let me let me play for you guys another quick clip of footage from the protests. And so I know this is gonna sound like I'm 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 hardcore law enforcement and all this other stuff, but I'm for the law and order, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting for us to go back to a, a, a semblance of normal. And as I said before, the lawlessness that we are experiencing right now will summon the authoritarianism that we are all trying to put off. Look at this right here. Let me get this up for you guys. It says, Seattle police released body cam footage of riots that left 59 officers injured. Let's listen. Body cam footage, Saturday, July 25th. Explosives, bottles, rocks, and wood that injured 
the officers. Seattle police released body cam footage that shows portions of the rioting on Saturday that left dozens of officers injured. The footage shows an explosive device hurled into a group of officers who backed off as it exploded. It also shows items being thrown at officers as they face off with the rioters. 47 people were arrested after a mob disabled cameras at a construction site before setting it on fire and hurling projectiles, including rocks and bottles, at officers. According to the Seattle Police Department, 59 officers were injured. At least one required hospital care. Injuries range from the abrasions and bruisings to burn and torn meniscus. Officers continually moved demonstrators away from the East Precinct after the crowd threw an explosive at the building, causing structural damage. Photographs show an 8-inch hole blown through the wall from an explosive. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff that came out. Uh, from that that whole little protest right there, uh, they said that Molotov cocktails were found, bombs were found, uh, loaded magazines were found. It is crazy what's going on up over there in Portland. But you see, that's what happens. These people don't have anything else to do, and they are being funded. I have a, I have a clip I want to get up after this uh, this next article for you guys. Almost a month ago, talks about Chinese. It talks about uh, Chinese smugglers bringing in weapons. Who do you think those people are going to? Uh, but before we get there, check this out. Portland violence, Portland violence escalates as Antifa rioters accused of throwing real explosives at feds. This is uh, by Science of the Time. They put this up July 28th, and it has uh, a tweet from the Justice Department. It says that contraband such as gasoline, hockey sticks, defense shields, leaf blowers, paint sprayers, paint cans with paint, and a jar prepped for a Molotov cocktail confiscated by federal law enforcement from the violent agitators outside federal Portland courthouse. Yeah. uh, I was trying to figure out why they would have leaf blowers there. It's to blow back the tear gas. It's to blow back the tear gas. Very, very orchestrated and organized. Uh, What is also very interesting is I can't help but notice some of the similarities that we've seen in the Hong Kong protests and the uh, Yellow Vest protests beginning to show themselves here in America. It is very, very crazy. Uh, I'll read a little bit of this, and then I'll get that clip up for you guys of China being caught smuggling assault weapons. Uh, It says, in an apparent disturbing escalation in violence after the 61st consecutive day of protests in Portland, Antifa have been accused of throwing real explosive, not fireworks, at federal agents. Approximately 1,000 protesters took to the streets of Portland on Monday evening, including parents and veterans groups, all of whom were tear-gassed in something that has become a nightly tradition. Daily footage shows the city from the city shows that neither side is backing down, and in the latest disturbing escalation, accusations that the members of the protest group have begun throwing actual explosives at authorities have been made online complete with eyewitness video purporting to show the explosives in action. Until now, the demonstrators have been 
The demonstrators have prepped the assorted federal agents, or peppered the assorted federal agents with Roman candles and display rockets. But tensions and ensuing violence have increased night on night, as video from the besieged city shows. There's this isn't this just their summer of love? Isn't that what the mayor of Seattle said? Hey, let them have their summer of love. What they did is they let this thing incubate like coronavirus on the Diamond Princess and didn't expect for it to pop off in the way that it did. And now you have a bunch of radicalized individuals angry with nowhere to throw their hate. They don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. They were basically green-lighted to go out and go do this. And now (laughs) you're, you're, you're asking for them to calm down? No, they're not. They're going to escalate. Here, check this out. China caught smuggling 10,800 assault weapons parts into Louisville by the U.S. Customs. June 30th. So if they're throwing firebombs and explosives right now, how far off do you think we are from firefighting? For, 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 for street fire. You get what I'm saying? They already did it with Chaz Chop. Right? Where they had armed guards there. Who were they getting these weapons from? You've got to understand, uh, not la- I think it was either it was either last year or the year before last. I think it was last year. Whenever we went down to the border, we were also getting information that at that same time Antifa was working with the cartel to smuggle in not only drugs but people as well, and they were getting some of their firearms from the cartel. It's not a far bet to think that they're working with the Chinese as well. Communists, right? Let me read a little bit of this. It says China has been caught smuggling eighteen or smuggling ten thousand eight hundred assault weapons parts into Louisville by U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers. The shipment arriving from Shenzhen, China, and destined for a residence in Melbourne, Florida, was seized on May twenty second. The parcel was manifested as containing ten as containing a hundred steel pen samples, a common practice used by smugglers for contraband trafficking. At the Express Consignment Operations Hub in Louisville, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, officers seized a shipment from China that contained 10,000 assault weapons parts being smuggled into the country. As per the CBP press release, the shipment was seized on May 22nd. Officers inspected the item, which was arriving from Shenzhen, China, destined for, des- destined for a residence in Melbourne, Florida. The parcel was manifested as containing 100 steel pin samples. This is a common practice of smugglers manifesting the contraband as a harmless or legitimate commodity in hopes of eluding further examination. Thomas Mann, the port director of Louisville, said that the Chinese smugglers were knowingly trying to avoid detection and smuggled in assault weapon parts into the U.S. Quote, the importing of any type of munitions is regulated by the ATF, said Thomas Mann, port director, Louisville. Quote, this smuggler was knowingly trying to avoid detection. However, our officers remain vigilant, ensuring our community is safe. So think about that. They're out there smuggling guns to God knows who. Because that was another scandal that happened this week. People were freaking out about these mysterious seeds that were coming from China. Wondering, well, what the heck is this? Is this going to mess up the ground? Is this going to toxify the environment? You see this paranoia that's coming in now? It's not good for business, man. Definitely not good for business. 
But you've got to understand there, there, there's so much sophistication with this that it has to get brought out into the public in order for it to get exposed. Now, something happened over the break, continuing on, something happened over the break that I didn't get a chance to post about, but it happened again, and you bet your keister, we're going to talk about it right here. New York Police Department confirms that a protester was arrested using an unmarked van in Manhattan. And when I play this clip for you guys, audio listeners, you can't see it, but you can find it on the page. July 29th, the Epoch Times, Isabel Van Bruggen. You will see this man literally get accosted, beat up in the street, and then thrown in the van. Now, I know we just got done talking about Antifa using firebombs and explosives, potentially working with China, things like this. These are still human rights that people have. People still have rights. We can't just be disappearing people because they're being unruly. People have to see that there are consequences to their actions. You start disappearing people. That sets a dangerous precedent. I'll play the clip for you guys and then we'll continue on. A protester was arrested Tuesday during a protest in Manhattan and placed in an unmarked van, the New York Police Department has confirmed. Video footage of the incident, which was widely circulated on social media, showed the moment a group of plainclothes officers wrestled the 18-year-old Nikki Stone to the pavement and pushed her into the unmarked gray minivan. Her arrest was confirmed in a series of tweets from the NYPD late Tuesday. Quote, in regard to a video on social media that took place at 2 Ave and 25th, 25th Street, a woman taken into custody in an unmarked van was wanted for damaging police cameras during five separate criminal incidences in and around City Hall Park, the NYPD said in a statement. The department claimed that the arresting officers were assaulted with rocks and bottles. Stone was among 12 people who was arrested, according to the NYPD. Before I continue on, just to... Just think about this. This is this lawlessness summoning this authoritarianism. Disappearing people is a part of that authoritarianism. Remember when Trump said, first we take the guns, then due process? Well, what, what, what the heck? That doesn't seem right. You can't just be snatching people up off of the middle of the street. Especially mid-protest, because I'm telling you, that's what all these contact tracers are going to do. They're going to collect that geolocation data in your phone and see whether or not you've been there and come into contact and been exposed to the COVID. But you can't just snatch people off the middle of the street, regardless of if they have a situation like this. There, there, there has to be some form of law and order. Does this make sense to you when I'm saying that the lawlessness we are seeing right now will summon this authoritarianism? Now, I, I, we don't have a whole lot of time to go over this, this, uh, this particular article. I just want to bring it up to your guys' attention so you can think about it. You can find the page, but it says right here, report finds 
U finds oil giants and mega banks are funding the massive police presence in top U.S. cities. This is put together by the Free Thought Project. They put this up July 28th, and it basically talks about the hypermilitarization of the police, where they're getting LRADs, MRAPs, you know, all of these different uh, body armor, drones, uh, uh, non-lethal weaponry, all this, all this stuff. It comes from not only the military but corporations. Encouraging it. I'm only going to read a little bit of this because I want to get into uh, a senator saying that we're staring down the barrel of martial law with all this insanity. But this plays into it. We're not getting to the root of the problem. The same the, When you have Apple out here uh, hacking people's phones saying F the police, that's a corporate takeover, man. You're being programmed. There's just This is not the revolution we're looking for. And because it's kicking off off of bad terms... It's not going to end well, but I, I, let me read this. You put this up July 28th. It comes from the Free Thought Project. It says that the same industries fueling the climate crisis and disproportionately polluting black and brown communities across the U.S. are bankrolling police foundations, groups, which can help militarize local police departments. That's according to a new investigation from Transparency, Public, from Transparency Group Public Accountability Initiatives and its uh, Little Sis Project. Authored by Jen Armstrong and Derek Seedman and published Monday, the report singles out actions from fossil fuel giants like Shell and Chevron, as well as major utility companies and leading financial institutions. Quote, this report sheds a harsh and needed light on the ways police violence and systemic racism intersect with, cl- with the climate crisis. Carol Muffett, president of the Center for, Inv- for International Environmental Law, said in the statement. I just want to uh, put a pause on this before I continue on. Somebody said, what is environmental racism? Because I kind of freaked out about that too. I was like, what the heck is environmental racism? And then somebody in the comments said, Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan is a perfect example of environmental racism. You'll have some people on the, on the right say, oh, it's because a Democrat ran cities. Or you'll have people over on the left that say, oh, it's because there's racists in the government that don't give black people you know, uh, the money that they need. But I think Flint, Michigan is a perfect example of environmental racism because they still don't have clean water. You have all these people, Black Lives Matter, all these organizations touting how they care about people, the communities and this, that and the third. Yet we still can't get clean water in Flint. The only person that has done something worth worthwhile so far has been Jaden Smith, who created like a, a system to help filter out the water there. So what does that say? As far as environmental racism and, 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 and how we destroy ourselves. But here, let me continue on. Quote, rather than address growing public concerns with the dangers of the pipelines and petrochemical plants, the fossil fuel industry has responded instead by seeking to criminalize protests, suppress dissent and mislabel acts of free speech as acts of terrorism. The result is a rising tide of human rights abuses by militarized police forces against environmental and rights Defenders, she said, quote, that oil, that oil and gas companies are actually funding the forces inflicting those harms, added Muffet, is sadly unsurprising and absolutely unacceptable. As Little Sis noted last month, police foundations further flatten, fatten already bloated police department budgets, doing so, quote, with little public input or oversight, and have enabled some departments to acquire controversial surveillance equipment and outfit forces with weaponry, including drones and LRAD equipment. 
Recent crackdown by police on Black Lives Matter protests have shown just how willing departments are to deploy such equipment against demonstrators. It's a very real thing. Because you can't, there is, there is such thing as called over-policing. And I know some of what we're seeing right now is just the, the, the hype, the polarization, dragging it to the extremes. But again, we didn't reach this extreme overnight. And again, the hyper-militarization of the police happened underneath Obama. That's one of the main reasons why I got into this, politically speaking, is because I saw during, uh, what, the 2012 NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, whenever Obama signed it in Hawaii, that he allowed for people to be indefinitely detained, that journalists could be indefinitely detained. I thought, good Lord, that's terrifying. You're telling me that you could take me to one of these FEMA camps and keep me there indefinitely? This is why I freaked out just last week about them doing that to COVID-19 patients. So no, this isn't a Trump issue. This isn't an Obama issue. This is an authoritarian issue that we should watch out for. I want to read to you guys real quick about an Oregon senator saying that because of all this craziness, we are staring down the barrel of martial law. That's right. This is written by Max Lavo over there at SHTF plan. They put this up July 27th. It says martial law should be considered nothing less than a straight up war on the American people. Now, when I'm, now an Oregon senator is warning that Americans are, quote, staring down the barrel of martial law. Anyone who relishes any level of freedom and security should not ever accept martial law. It's by far one of the evilest and most deceitful ways to conduct a war on the people who the ruling class have stolen from for years in, sh in order to ensure that they can outgun the enemy. We are on the cusp of it, too, and some areas are already under martial law. The government has declared war on its own people, and they will not give up power willingly. You have two choices, obey or disobey. Neither are good. In, the, in interviews with The Guardian, Democrat Ron Wyden said the federal government's authoritarian tactics in Portland and in other cities posed a, quote, enormous threat to democracy, while his fellow Senator Jeff Merkley described it as a, quote, all-out assault in military-style fashion. Keep in mind that it isn't like the protesters in Portland are being peaceful either. If anything, they are being destructive and the regular citizens are being restrained from protecting themselves in the midst of so many laws and regulations. That's exactly what I said with Chaz and Chop. That's why the business owners there, during that whole situation, had to cater to the mob. They couldn't express themselves. They'd be beaten. They'd have their windows bashed in. They have to cater to the mob. Otherwise, well, we see what happens otherwise. Continuing on, it says, speaking about the phone, Wyden said, quote, unless America draws a line in the sand right now, I think we could be staring down the barrel of martial law in the middle of a presidential election. Protesting peacefully and rioting are two different things. Are some of the rioters paid agitator? That's more likely than not. We know George Soros is funding the majority of this violence. So should cities just burn? No, that's not the solution either. It is possible to be against the violence of the federal agents and the violence of the rioters at the same time. In fact, it's hypocritical and immoral to take any other position. And that's why we're having to thread this needle. Because they put us between a rock and a hard place and we're having to explain we don't want to be here in the first place. But you see, 
as we're trying to figure out this whole little debacle, you have people waiting in the winds, trying to scoop up the ashes. As you see our internal policing system go under attack, you have the United Nations officials suggesting that the Trump administration is violating protesters' rights, alluding to the fact that maybe they should send in the white helmets. Maybe they should send in the peacekeepers. This comes from Signs of the Time. They put this up July 29th. Think about this. This is the article. Great little caption right there. Saying this is what we were warning about. You know your cop. You know your local cop, or at least you should know your local cop. And if you don't know your local cop, at least your local cop knows somebody in the area. They try to be cool. You get somebody over here from, say, I don't know, Sudan, Afghanistan, like someplace where we've already messed up their country and they want to come up over here and kick our kick our our, our, our butts around. They're going to do it. Remember earlier this year, the start of this year, the United Nations asked for English speaking disarmament officers. This is the type of stuff we're talking about. Because if they get rid of the American policing system, they get rid of your, your, your local cop that hangs out at that local bar and whatever, they get rid of him, they're going to get somebody that's not loyal to the Constitution, that's not loyal to your, to your, to your, uh, to your county, that's not loyal to your state, that ain't loyal to the nation. They ain't going to be about Blue Lives Matter. They're not even going to be about America. They're going to be about getting the job done. So you've got to understand the sophistication behind the UN saying that, hey, the Trump administration is violating people's rights. We're, we're, we're moving towards martial law. You've got to learn to read between these lines. Let me read a little bit of this, and then we'll continue on and close out this section for you guys. It says, for over a month, the United Nations has been carrying out a human rights investigation against the United States. First, they were investigating the U.S. over systemic racism. They ordered the United States to crack down on police officers, otherwise the U.N. would mount an intervention. Yes, this is really what the U.N. Human Rights Council said last month. When they learned that only nine unarmed black people were shot by police last year, and of them, only two were not in the process of attacking a police officer or a bystander, the U.N. shifted their strategy. They realized that they cannot launch a blue helmet intervention on such a flimsy basis. So they shifted the investigation to the Trump administration's handling of protesters. Air quotes, protesters. There were plenty of peaceful protesters marching in the early and mid-June, but these, quote, protests stopped being peaceful and stopped being about George Floyd a long time ago. That's what I asked. I was like, am I supposed to hate, am I supposed to hate white people this week or am I supposed to run from the wind? I don't know. Oh, continuing on, it says, nevertheless, the UN believes they have an opening to intervene in our country's affairs. The United Nations delivered a formal stand-down order to the Trump administration this week, ordering, saying that the president, quote, must respect the rights of so-called peaceful protesters and stop federal officers from using non-lethal force against peaceful protesters in Portland. This is how the UN uses the tax dollars we send them against us. This is also how George Soros gets money from the State Department to send to immigrants that they put back into the system to turn into taxpaying dollars to use that very same money again against them. It's the same type of tactic. The money that we're sending to the United Nations, they are now using to say that we need to stop what we're doing. This is that supranational organization that can oversee everybody else. 
This is big brother. This is world government. This is global governance. Continuing on, it says, quote, peaceful demonstrations that have been taking place in cities in the U.S., such as Portland, really must be able to continue without those participating in them, risking arbitrary arrest or detention, being subject to unnecessary, disproportionate, or discriminatory use of force, or suffering other violations of their rights, proclaimed the U.N. Human Rights Office spokesperson. In recent weeks, the U.N. opened up a, a formal investigation to the Trump administration with U.N. officials warning that there would be consequences if the Trump administration continued to use heavy-handed tactics against peaceful protests. The fact that the Secretary of State responded to these comments from the U.N. Human Rights Council illustrates that the message was received at the highest levels of the United States government. So what do you think about that? You've got, out of, out of, out of, in a weird, sanctimonious type of way, you've got the United Nations saying that, hey, you guys are violating human rights. When if you go look at anything the, the, the Blue Helmets have done, they have raped they have trafficked children. They have killed people all in the name of peace and security and safety. So, so that's very interesting. What's going to happen when you have Democrat mayors, city, Democrat city mayors and governors saying, we need the UN here. We don't want federal agents here. There's an article on the Drudge Report feed talking about the reason some of these protesters are getting out so fast is because they're giving up their constitutional rights. It's like you give up your rights when you get a. It's crazy. It's crazy the, the legalese that's going on with all of this and almost mind blowing. It, it, it truly is like fascinating and terrifying to say at the same time. <laughs> it just it, it, it blows my mind. It really does. Uh, so I want to play this and then we're going to take a quick break <laughs> and come back talking about COVID. I think this is a better way for me to kind of end this segment uh, since you want to talk about lunacy right here. I'm more black than you are on the inside. <laughs> you, you had this white Black Lives Matter protester yelling at one of the doctors at the White Coat Summit saying that I'm more black than you are on the inside right now. I am you standing here right now. <laughs> it's, 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 it's derangement and lunacy on a whole nother level but that should, this should show you what we're up against and why trying to speak logic and reason to people who are emotionally unstable and irrational will not work. So I'll, I'm going to play this for you guys, and then we're going to take a quick break uh, and be right back right after that. You're betraying Black Lives Matter. I'm black. Yeah, yeah, but that's not. You're white. You know, you're not black on the inside. I'm more black than you on the inside at this particular point. Yeah. There were people during the times of slavery who enabled the slavers. You're on the wrong side, ma'am. I promise you. You are my sister. I am you standing here. I promise you who I am. You are me standing here. My God. No company. Come on. Come on. Watch out this time. Come on. We just stay. The very first Americans. The very first Americans were protesters. Protesters are the very first people to die for this country. Sir, what's your profession? I'm Jesus Christ, you tool. My profession is to save the world from goddamned assholes like yourself. Can I see your ID? Please. Yeah, you want I am you standing here. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about COVID-19. 
<laughs> wow. I wanted to end this segment off on a good note. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, all the other crazy things going on with that, uh, and more. I, I promised you. We will be right back right after this.
Welcome back. Coronavirus free, I hope. Make sure you social distance. Keep your distance. Keep your distance, please. <laughs> Keep your distance. You know, I think uh, we're all going to look back on 2020 and we're going to have COVID-19 like etched in our brain and it'll be like trigger. It's going to be like a trigger word. People are going to people are going to have like flashbacks, you know, like hippies have flashback whenever they crack their backs. Old acid trips. Right. Just get shooted into their shot into their brain. Right. That's what COVID-19 is going to be in the future for us. If we're able to ever escape this authoritarian infection. <laughs> Uh, and with that being said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to this edition of Factions of Freedom. This segment is titled Controlling COVID. We would be talking about just that. Uh, mask traps, Bill Gates, COVID-19, vaccines, right? Uh, the doctor that you guys saw right there, that the deranged Antifard uh, tried to talk to, was actually at the White Coat Summit. Yeah. We, uh, we, <laughs> we had three posts removed this week, multiple posts removed this week. Uh, one talking about vitamin C and quercetin. Um, we had one talking about a Yale professor saying how hydroxychloroquine is a cure or to help you fighting COVID-19. And we also had, uh, the doctors at the white house summit post taken down as well. Now the doctor that you see actually here is one of the doctors at the White Coat Summit where they're talking about nobody needs to die. Nobody needs to die for us carrying these type of things on. Why are we having, why are we all engaging in medical malpractice, medical fraud? We need to have some of these drugs readily available to the public instead of just letting people die. And I'll say this and I'll start getting into stuff. Uh, I saw somebody say, you don't need medicine for fake disease. And so I'll just say that, take it however you guys choose. Whether or not you believe COVID-19 is real, I don't know. That's the, that's the problem with something so ambiguous. Uh, but to begin setting the tone for this episode, or at least for this segment, I'm going to play for you guys real quick a video clip talking about mask traps, because that's right. Wearing a mask has been mandated. You know, you don't want to step outside without a mask. You might get in trouble. Cops are beginning to set up mass traps and fine people $100 if they don't properly wear their masks. Crazy, right? Or is this just more of the upside down world we found ourselves living in? I'm trying to get this clip up for you guys. It's just, it. this is crazy. This is crazy. But here, uh, this comes from Technocracy News. It's by Christian Brissegi via The Reason. They put this up July 29th. Let's listen. Dean Gonzalez recording on his cell phone. It was like a trap. It was a mass trap. Would appear to be officers in plain clothing citing people outside of North Miami Beach Publix for violating the county mask order. He says he got ticketed too, even though he was wearing one. But as I'm talking, it slides down a little bit, so my nose was naked. You have to wear it properly. When I wear it properly, it's in her to see her to sound like you're wearing it at all. Officers are heard telling Gonzalez to sign the hefty fine or go to jail. Don't take it. I'm going to arrest you. 
$110. Gonzalez says he supports mask enforcement, but not this. Here's a little more common sense than ticketing people with masks on their actual face. You know, why don't you go after people who have no masks? In Miami, we saw police do just that. Because there's this non-existent uh, pandemic. David Hines told us he doesn't believe there's a pandemic and doesn't believe... Calm down, David. There, calm down, David. You too woke, bro. You better calm down. You might have your child taken from you. That's a real thing. It happened in Canada. We talked about it just last week. Uh, but uh, Miami police are citing anyone in their jurisdiction who they deem is wearing their face mask improperly. They are ticketing in public areas as well as in private businesses. Citizens should band together in a class action lawsuit against the city and break this illegal madness once and for all. It's been less than two weeks since Miami-Dade County announced it will be fining people for not wearing masks in public. Already, Florida media outlets are filled with stories of people cited for wearing masks improperly, lowering masks to sip a drink of water, or removing their face coverings once outside of a store. Yeah, because that's dangerous. Keep your distance. Don't you know you breathing is a bad thing? That came out today. Yesterday, that Dr. Anthony Fauci wants you to wear goggles too. See, you just gotta, you're not, you're not being a proper slave. David Hines, you're right. This scam demic, it may be a scam demic, but you're, you're, you're not being a proper slave. You're not being obedient enough. Put the goggles on, put the mask on, put the gloves on, stay inside your house, wait and die. Stop asking questions. You know what? You're wearing the mask wrong. We're gonna, we're gonna fine you. You see what this is? This is what I mean by the authoritarianism. Gradually ratcheting up things. You see, first it's the mask, then it's the gloves, now it's goggles. But see, here's here's the even crazier part. There's information coming out, right, that some of these hand sanitizers that people were using was actually toxic. So you got people over here sanitize, 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 sanitizing everything, making their environment sterile, lowering their immune system, becoming even more weak. And you're like, that's not enough. That's not enough. We've, we've got to seal the entire body. It's crazy. This is crazy. This is legitimately crazy. You know what? Let me go ahead and just play the play real quick for you guys. This clip. I'm sure people are already aware of it. It's basically common sense. Uh, but mask fatigue, workers claim of headaches, shortness of breath, anxiety. Yeah, there are studies coming out saying that you cannot wear the mask for prolonged periods of time. It's not good for you. You're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. You got people, uh, whenever I wear my bandana, when I go get my burritos, I feel like I'm about to rob a store. It's something that happens psychologically putting on that mask that it's not supposed to happen for extended periods of time. But here, let me play for you guys this quick clip and then we'll continue on. Whether the elastic is too tight or the cloth is too thick, there are a lot of reasons for mask fatigue that people who wear them for long periods are starting to experience. Nearly three months of wearing a face mask every day has taken a toll on the women who work at the Southern Sisters Salon in McKinney. Like a lot of workplaces in North Texas, masks are mandatory, but making life miserable for employees forced to wear them. 
The salon employees say keeping candy and mints in their mouths helps, and they take as many outdoor breaks as possible. The women who work here know that masks are necessary to stay open, and for now, are willing to put up with the pain. When I have a long day, if it's a 12-hour day, I'm sick when I get home, like sick in my stomach. As soon as I get in the car, I'm pulling it off, and I don't want to do anything else. I just want to go home and be fast-free. People not only working in salons, but also restaurants, retailers, factories, and offices are struggling. Whether the last They're struggling to wear them. They are struggling to wear them because you are essentially choking people. You're asking them to bound and gag themselves. And some people don't want to do that. Some people actually want to fight back, which brings me to this. Ontario lawyer files lawsuits against the feds, their province, and the CBC over COVID-19 measures and masks. This comes from the Signs of the Time. They put this up July 27th. Rocco Galletti recently discussed the upcoming lawsuit against members of the Canadian government, the CBC, as well as the topic of mandatory masking. Galletti is a constitutional lawyer in Ontario and has been practicing law for 31 years. He began his career with the Federal Department of Justice. During a July 17th interview with Amanda Forbes, he said he has filed a constitutional challenge in the Ontario Superior Court on behalf of his clients seeking declaratory or declaratory and injunctive relief against the COVID-19 measures. Galletti said that both the federal as well as provincial governance, governments have, quote, effectively dispensed with parliament and ruling by royal decree as it were which is constitutional, unconstitutional. He is especially concerned about Ontario's Bill 195 in which the government can implement executive orders on an ongoing basis with the extension of emergency measures possible for years to come. Galati said that this is unheard of. In the claim, Galati has named uh, the Trudeau government for its provincial governor, government and the mayor of Toronto, John Troy, apart from uh, unconstitutional apart from constitutional breaches, which Galati said, quote, our freedom of conscience, association, belief, right to life, liberty and security, your right against unreasonable search and seizure for the closure of businesses in arbitrary and irrational manner, the rights against arbitrary detention when bylaw officers stop you and ask you for information that they are not allowed to ask, but also for the discriminatory way in which people with physical and neurological disabilities have been left out in the cold. Galati says another vulnerable group at the center of the COVID measures are seniors. Quote, they are suffering solitary confinement in their own residence. These long-term care facilities have turned into gulags. It's atrocious, he said. Galati, his clients, and his team are seeking relief from COVID-19 measures that are being undertaken as he says that such measures, as social distancing, mandatory masks, are neither scientifically nor medically based. And I will say that you, my friend, Mr. Galetti, are based in what you're saying, based in your approach, based because we need to be talking about these things. Powerful stuff, man. This is, this is the type of lawfare that we need. People need to know that there's an avenue to go down. And I feel like that's another reason why this stuff keeps ratcheting up, why we keep hearing from Fauci and Gates is because they're not hearing any blowback. Not at least on a recognizable level. I have a clip I'll play for you guys here shortly from Bill Gates where he's talking about these conspiracy theories surrounding the vaccines and his, 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 him. I'll get into that. But people need to know that there are ways for them to fight back. I, I won't bore you with the details of me going to my home gym 
and literally trying to figure out what is the wiggle room here. But I don't know if I need to sue my gym or or what. But at a certain level, this has to be illegal. You are mandating thing, mandating something for somebody whenever we all have choices, we all have rights. That's why I know to a degree this will all pass because this won't continue. People will be fed up. They will take legal action and this will fall back. But by then they will have, they will have moved on to something else. But that's how all of this works, you see. Uh, but to continue on to get back into the groove of things, talking more about controlling COVID. Last week, a, spe- a something happened that made me speechless. I'm going to just go ahead and read the article title to you. It's the Mark of the Beast in action in China. But right here, China is now forcing all citizens to activate the health code on their smartphones for restaurant and store access. Only a green code will let them in. This is written by Jeffrey Grouder from Now the End Begins. They put this up July 24th. And think about this. This is the mark of the beast. You will neither be able to buy nor sell without receiving the mark with it in your hand or on your forehead. Check your temperature. Show me your phone. Do you have the green, the green light? Who would have thought that a prophetic vision from John on the Isle of Patmos, like years ago, 2,000 years ago, would have envisioned this, envisioned where we are now. Is this why China said, you know what, we got to get rid of George Orwell's 1984. We've got to rewrite the Bible because if the Chinese people read this and they see what we're doing, they will fight back. Is this why when we saw the Hong Kong protests and we saw them embracing American values, saying that we need to fight tyrannical China with, with them, were they aware of these things? Let me read this and then continue on. Because you have to understand where we're at. This is COVID-1984. This is that main assault for them to structurally change everything. This is why you have, uh, not Tedros Cabracius, who's the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, saying that this is the new normal. Let me read this. Only those with green codes are allowed in. How, 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 how? How far off are we from, oh, did you get your vaccine? Let me see your certificate of vaccine identification. Let me see that you've actually received your shots. This is just to get into a store to get access. You see? Uh, Let me read this. Only those with green codes are allowed in. Many offices insist on green codes, too. A red code or even an amber one is the scarlet letter of 2020. You can have concerns about privacy or you can have a f***ing life. Not both. Little by little and inch by inch, the whole world is being brought under the control of the new world order. And it's being done under the guise of fighting a virus. China, the country that released this infection upon all of us, seems to be leading the way on all accounts. After rolling out contact tracing on smart devices... Now comes the health codes that you that your device will generate to either let you in or keep you out of mainstream society in China. In a matter of months, it will make its way here to America. Quote, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change the times and the laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of a time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it until the end. Daniel chapter 7, verses 25 through 26. 
One thing that the global elites are, con are counting on is the, is the gradual weakening of our resolve to resist the ever-increasing oppression they are placing us under. Having successfully made us afraid of a virus with a 0.6 mortality rate and having successfully forced us to put masks on, getting us to accept full-time contact tracing with health codes is a walk in the park. The question is, what will you say when they force you to take the vaccine? And rest assured, based on all their actions up until this point, they will force you to take it. Summer in Beijing. Hot and oppressive, but almost back to normal. This next part comes from the Houston Chronicle. It says restaurants and malls in China are open, but to enter, customers have to activate a health code on their smartphones. The code tracks their movements and determines whether they have been to any risky places. Only those with green codes are allowed in. Many offices insist on green codes too. A red code or even an amber one is the scarlet letter of 2020. You can have concerns about a privacy or you can have a functioning life. You can't have both. You get the picture. You see the technocracy. You see how they're trying to control COVID. But doesn't Corona just mean crown? You see, that's what I'm saying, is they have anointed themselves with this authoritarianism. Fauci wearing his mask beneath his, uh, his chin at his baseball game. That's a, that's, a, that's a sign to all of us, right? To all of us paisans, to our peasants, right? To us common folk, us commoners, oh, us, me. He doesn't have to wear his mask. You do. Better yet, you, not only do you have to wear a mask, I don't even want to look you in your eyes. Put on your goggles. You see how this works? You see how they have been anointed, Oh, you can't come over here into our restaurant. You don't have a green code, you dirty human. It's like, what? Do you, do you get the subtle the subtlety of society that's happening right now? The chic, uh, be so, be, being cool. The dehumanization campaign that's happening right now. The vaccine will play a huge part in it too as well. They already call us anti-maskers. They're trying to get you ready just for that little word switch up for anti-vaxxers, completely unaware that they're ineffective. And Bill Gates himself has said that you're going to need multiple doses. I have a video of that. He's actually confronted about uh, his uh, usage of vaccines, but we'll play that for you shorter as well, here shortly as well. The point I'm trying to make is they're trying to have you fear a virus so that you don't fear them. The invisible foe is government. Yes, the virus is real, but so is the playing the politics of it. And now you have the World Health Organization saying that the coronavirus pandemic will be one big wave, which is not seasonal. It's like, what? Why don't you just say we're on the back end of this? Why are you saying that there's not a second wave or a third wave and that it's not seasonal? Like, what is what is the what is the purpose behind manipulating the statistics, manipulating the perception of this virus? Uh, this comes from Nima Harris. They put this up July 28th over there at News Punch. It says the World Health Organization has just dashed away any hopes that the coronavirus might disappear over the summer. Instead, the UN health body is now urging the world to, to brace itself for, quote, one big wave of infections. World Health Spokesperson or World Health Organization spokesperson Margaret Harris told a virtual briefing in Geneva that this virus does not behave like the influenza that tends to follow seasonal trends. Quote, people are still thinking about seasons. 
what we all need to do is get our heads around that this is a new virus and this one is behaving differently, she said. RT reports Harris Harris warned that there will be, quote, one big wave of coronavirus infections that will go up and down a bit instead of several distinct waves one after another. The best thing to do is to flatten it and turn it into just something lapping at your feet, she said. Many European countries have been gradually lifting or relaxing their quarantine restrictions since May. Because there is still no vaccine, the governments have, are calibrating their COVID-19 response while bracing for a potential second wave of the infections. Asian countries like China and South Korea, as well as several U.S. states, were forced to reimpose some of the lockdown measures after infection rates went up again and new coronavirus hotspots were detected. Harris reiterated the call to slow the spread of the virus by avoiding mass gatherings. This has been to this has proven this has proven to be challenging in recent months due to the large-scale anti-racism and police brutality protests in a number of western countries. Yeah, you don't hear them saying you don't hear any of the people getting contact traced uh attending protests. They actually say don't ask people that. Don't ask people if they've been to any of these protests. You go out there and you go contact contact trace law abiding citizens. Don't come into contact with uh <laughs> these subversives or these dissidents. So one big wave of coronavirus infections, right? You've got uh, uh, the, I think, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying that coronavirus is beginning to spread across America, right? He's warned that a, se- or, or a second wave has begun to spread across Europe, saying that we need to, we need to practice more safety measures. Yeah, the UK Health Secretary is warning that a second wave of coronavirus is rolling across Europe and must be stopped from reaching Britain. Yeah. But see, one of the things I'm worried about, to a degree, is not necessarily the virus, because we're still learning new things about this virus every single week, every single day, but also some of the cross-reactions, some of the mutations, and some of the, some of the other things that are going to happen with that. Because right here, over 30,000 Americans have volunteered for the COVID-19 vaccine. Volunteered, meaning it's not, not like they say, it's not settled science, you know. They need you to volunteer, give us your body. We need human experimentation, you know, we don't, we don't really know if it's going to work. Fauci said that, we don't know if a vaccine's going to work, it might be ineffectual. But don't worry, you got 30,000 Americans who are willing to sacrifice themselves for this. So what happens if there are any other mutations that happen from being introduced into the body. I'm just curious. Let's read this. It, it doesn't go into this, but just let's read this and then we'll continue on. This comes from Ricky Scaparo over there at End Times Headlines. They put this up July 28th. It says, what is being deemed as the world's largest COVID-19 vaccine study? Over 30,000 planned volunteers began helping to test shots created by the U.S. government on Monday and what is being called one of the, one of the several candidates in the final stretch of the global vaccine race. According to CNBC, there is still no guarantee that the experimental vaccine that has been developed by the National Institutes of Health and Moderna, Dr. Fauci, uh, will work to protect Americans. The report states that there needs to be proof that the vaccines really work, and in doing so, the volunteers won't know if they're getting the real shot or a dummy version. 
The report states that after two doses, scientists will then closely track which group experiences more infections as they go about their daily lives uh, or their daily routines, especially in areas where the virus is still spreading unchecked. Quote, unfortunately for the United States of America, we have plenty of infections right now to get that answer. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci recently told the Associated Press, Apparently, this isn't the only trial underway, as several other vaccines have reportedly been made by China and Britain's Oxford University early this month and began smaller final stage tests in Brazil and other hard-hit countries. 30,000 Americans are signing up. 30,000 Americans, Americans signing up. For Billy Gate Boys, Billy Boy Gates's vaccine. Now you think about that. Thirty thousand people signing up for this right here for what he says, multiple vaccine doses needed. Now he was a, he was he was mentioning this in relation to the elderly, but I think he means this for everybody. None of the vaccines at this point appear like they'll work with a single dose. That was the the hope at the very beginning. Uh, maybe one of them, particularly in the second generation, won't surprise us. We hope just two, although in the elderly, sometimes uh, it, it takes more. And, and so making sure we have lots of elderly people in the trial will give us that data. None of the vaccines at this point. Yeah, audio listeners, you can't see this, but uh, after he gets done saying that, he shuts up like Joe Biden did during those debates. Gets this weird, awkward silence about him. But yeah, no, multiple doses will be needed. Think about this. The first one didn't work. The second one didn't work. We're going to see after the third one if you're okay. And if that doesn't work, I guess you just got coronavirus. This is the logic behind vaccines. Uh, this is put up 20, on, the, on July 23rd from the Dirt Report feed. It says Bill Gates has warned that multiple doses of any coronavirus vaccine could be necessary as he slammed Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic. Microsoft Bill Gates or Microsoft billionaire Gates said, quote, serious mistakes have been made by the White House as he predicted schools could be closed until fall 2021. Speaking during an interview with Nora O'Donnell on CBS News, Gates said he had faith in the development of a coronavirus vaccine. However, he warned it could take an, quote, unbelievably big number of doses to beat the virus. An unbelievably amount of doses to beat the virus. Like, think about that. But he's saying we're going to need multiple doses in order for us to beat it. That's very strange. That is that is very strange. Now, that very same, I don't think it's the same interview, but Nora O'Donnell asks him the question of, hey, these vaccines are dangerous. Are people going to get hurt? Let's take a listen. The Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. So... Are these vaccines safe? Well, the, uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators uh, and their current guidance on this, if they stick with that, is, is very, very appropriate. Uh, and, you know, they, 
it, the, 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 the side effects were not super severe. That is, it didn't cause permanent health problems for uh, the things that are, they, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. And so, uh, you know, to get the antibodies, some of the other vaccines uh, are going able to go with lower doses to get uh, responses that are, are pretty high, including the, the J&J and the Pfizer. And so there's a lot of characteristics of these vaccines. Um, it's great that we have multiple of them uh, that are going out there. And, and yes, well, I you, think you know the data the better than I do. But the bill, though, the, the data showed that everybody with a high dose had a, a side effect. Yeah, but some of that is is not dramatic. Where you know it's just you know super painful. But yes, there we need to make sure there's not severe side effects. The FDA, uh, I I I think will do a good job of that, uh, despite the pressure. How many doses of the vaccine will we need? Well, none of the vaccines at this point appear like they'll work with a single dose. That was the the hope at the very beginning. Uh, maybe one of them, particularly in the second generation, won't surprise us. We hope just two, although in the elderly, sometimes uh, it it takes more. And, and so making sure we have lots of elderly people in the trial will give us that data. You've said some more than 7 billion doses. That's what we'll need. Well, if, if what you're trying to do... The Moderna vaccine yeah. sound concerning. We looked. After the second yeah. dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. So are these vaccines safe? Now, I pause it right there uh, simply for the fact that people need to think about this. We've, we've all met a liar that gets squirrely, that acts like a snake and slithers and can't answer the question. Nora O'Donnell asked the simple question of, hey, are these vaccines safe? After the second dose, roughly 80% of the people that receive this vaccine have side effects. Is this safe? And you're asking for 7 billion doses? You've already told us that over 700,000 people are going to get seriously injured from these vaccines. Now, we're seeing that there's going to be side effects from these vaccines, and these aren't even going to be the cure? What is it that you're doing? What is your plan? And, and, and I think we've all seen that video of where he said, ah, oh, the first wave didn't get them. They didn't get scared enough with the first one. But the second one, yeah, I think the second one will get their attention. I really do. Nora O'Donnell asking him, are these vaccines safe? And he can't even give her a proper answer. He donates to CBS. Let me read a little bit. It says, vaccine oligarch Bill Gates expressed apathy in a CBS interview about the fact that his Moderna coronavirus vaccine, which the National Institutes of Health has a financial stake in, is testing horribly in vaccine trials with at least 80% of the trial sus subjects reportedly suffering side effects. This news comes on the heel of a major protest in Africa against the vaccine being tested on black people on the continent. Military insurer, insurer TRICARE admitted that it wrongly told more than 600,000 U.S. military members that they had the virus. Hospitals in Florida are showing massive problems with testing accuracy, with Orlando Health admitting that its 98% positive rate was actually 
The CDC admitted that it's mixing antibody and viral test results to derive its case numbers. And you can test positive on an antibody test if you have antibodies from a family of viruses that cause the common cold. No wonder the people in Africa are, are, are protesting the vaccine tests. National Institutes of Health own a financial stake in the Bill Gates-funded Moderna coronavirus vaccine, raising big questions about the supposed impartiality of the federal government's policy decisions policies decision uh, during the coronavirus outbreak. NIAD Director Dr. Anthony Fauci, a financial ally of Bill Gates, whose institutes is part of the NIH, has been critical of hydroxychloroquine and the FBI even rated a health spa serving intravenous vitamin C, which are competitors to a vaccine. So is that it? Is that why Bill Gates had my <laughs> had, had my uh, had my vitamin C and quercetin posts taken down? Is vitamin C considered a threat to him developing whatever it is he's doing? You've got to understand these people. They don't want you to be informed. They don't want you to think for yourself. I'm going to pull up real quick uh, <laughs> this, uh, this, this clip of Bill Gates saying that lies spread faster than the truth on social media, being critical of people who question COVID-19 and don't bow down to his uh, computer science knowledge. This, this is a man that got rich off of computers, and we are now taking medical and health advice from him, and no one seems to worry about this. But here... Uh, Let's let's play this and then we'll continue. And I asked Bill Gates, what do you make of social media in this age and the role of the platform in spreading conspiracies? Well, definitely when you let people communicate, you have to deal with the fact that certain incorrect things that are very titillating uh, can spread very rapidly compared to the truth. And we've always seen that with vaccines. Any negative thing uh, gets out uh, to people. And the, you know, the facts about no, you know, say it doesn't cause autism, uh, that travels slowly by comparison. And social media can make that even worse. And so the degree to which these media companies can see what's being said on their platform and take things that are absolutely wrong uh, and get rid of those things or slow those things down. That's very tough because as you move over into political media, and I asked Bill Gates, what? Yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci said earlier this week that the uh, doctors, the 18 doctors that attended the White House summit, the White Coat Summit to protest the COVID-19 uh, medical practices, the medical protocol regarding that, he said that those doctors should have been taken down. He said they didn't know what they were talking about. We shouldn't be trying to get any answers for anybody else. I'm the only one with the answers. And when you go watch the rest of this clip, the full interview, Gates backs up. Fauci saying, oh, they come at him too with the misinformation. They don't. It's not misinformation questioning you. You see, this is the problem with letting technocrats run things. Like, I, I, like, like think about this, okay? Right now, you have what? Sundar Pichai of Google, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Mark Zuckerbot of what? Uh, Fedbook, and I, I forget who the other individual is. Uh, uh, what is it? Tim Cook of Apple, right? You have the technocrats all testifying before Congress about how they lied in front of Congress the first time. 
And now you've got this other technocrat, the chief technocrat, Bill Gates, talking to us about our medical future. This is the technocracy. You've got Jeff Bezos appearing before Congress saying that we are fundamental in America. Just as there are small businesses around the world, the world also needs large businesses. You need me. Think about this. And now, again, you've got this computer scientist donning on the cap of being a medical health professional focused on global health security, saying that we need to get rid of people who question anything, question medical advice. We don't need to listen to any other doctors. We don't need to seek out any other uh, any other opinions. Vitamin C is bad for you. You know, sunlight's bad for you. Water's bad for you. Putting a mask on is good for you. You just need to kill yourself. This is, this is the lunacy that we are subjected to. Let me read a little bit of this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close out this segment with uh, going over this study of uh, the National Institutes of Health removing a study that confirmed 5G and coronavirus. Whenever I was saying that 5G potentiated coronavirus, where it allowed for it to happen, there was a study for that posted in the NIH, Dr. Anthony Fauci's NIH. Somebody found it. We posted it. We talked about it. Another one that got taken down. But they don't want that kind of information getting out there. Yeah, they just want you to wait for the shot that they're already saying has uh, 80% chances of causing a side effect for the second shot. This is lunacy. Let me read a little bit and we'll continue on. It says, Bill... Gates insisted last week that conspiracy theories involving the Gates Foundation, the Microsoft founder's alleged hidden agenda to use vaccines as a cover for his nefarious microchipping project were an utter nonsense. Apparently, Gates failed to grasp that this is exactly the kind of denial that a villainous billionaire might give. Whether or not you take that Gates-related conspiracy theories serious, the Microsoft founder clearly sees them as an enough of an annoyance that he felt compelled to address the trend again during a Tuesday morning appearance on CNBC. And when you guys go watch the interview, he actually looks physically agitated. You see him almost show emotion, like he's upset that he's been found out, that there are pockets of people on the Internet that he can't control who don't buy into his nonsense. This is, this is what's going on. And I just want to say, too, since we're still talking about you, Gates, and maybe I'll put it in the description bar below if you guys are curious, but there is a petition to arrest Dr. Anthony Fauci, which has received already 600 signatures. 600 signatures for people that want to investigate the Gates Foundation. So I'll be sure to put that link in the description bar below. If you guys want to go sign it as well, because that's right, 600,000 people are aware, if not more so, of what Bill Gates is doing. He's not going to get away with it. He will simply not. And for the ones that he does get away with, all we can do is pray for them. So I want to get this up before it gets taken down from the technocrats and the censors, you know how to you know how to ask, go. NIH website removes study that confirmed 5G ties to coronavirus after reports pointed to it. That's right. And uh, a clip to this, as you'll see, 
uh, Instagram saying that they removed our post due to it violating community guidelines. Yeah, that's how it works. Last week, Suzanne Hammer reported on a study that was posted to the National Institutes of Health's website that proved 5G could produce coronavirus in human cells. Following that report, within hours, the study was pulled from the website. (laughs) Is that a cover-up? You be a judge. I'll let you guys go check it out and go find more of that on the page. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be getting into or closing out the pandemic and getting into techno-serfdom, the technocrats. I mentioned to you earlier uh, Sundar Pichai of Google, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tim Cook of Apple, and uh, shucks, I forget the other individual's name. There's so many of them, but the technocrats are making their move. And on top of that, there are some things happening on the fringe of society. 11 million evictions coming, close to half of all working age people not working, the socioeconomic reformation and more. We're going to be talking about techno serfdom on the other side and how COVID-1984 is playing a huge part in the development of this and more. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back right after this. in this world that remind us of how fragile we are. We thought we were safe. We thought it could never happen to us. Then life like a fog descends upon us, blanketing our memories. Through the haze we travel its hidden paths, lost in its secret places. And when the storm, turbulent and immovable, forces us to shelter, we remember. It calls to us, calls us back, back to the ports and the harbors of our past. We fight the currents that pull and drag us off course, not a light or star to chart the way. And when we arrive, we don't always know it at first, the places we once loved guised by time. Then we see it, the place we've been trying to get back to. Safe at last, we've found our way home.
Welcome back. Adios mio. Welcome back, my friends. You know, the, the, the sad part is, is there's so much stuff that I could spend like an entire hour talking over a single topic uh, if I wasn't trying to connect it with another article. There are so many different things going on right now that it is almost mind-blowing, mind-boggling. That's why we always have to take a step back and talk about it from a 30,000-foot view. What does this mean? What is happening? Order ab chaos, order out of chaos. There is a purpose to all this insanity, a purpose to this polarization. There is a method to all this madness. But people need to see this, and people need to think of this. So I've told you already that my posts have been taken down at least like three times <laughs> because we're not allowed to warn the public. They have to be kept in fear. They have to. We can't warn them. We can't make them aware of things. They have to be kept in total abject fear to where they think of the, the government, the state as their only solution. You can't save yourself. You can't go out there and go get some zinc, some magnesium, some vitamin C, some vitamin D3. You can't take care of yourself. No, you have to be in fear and you have to wait for them to give you your solutions. So I want to talk about something briefly to continue on or at least get this segment started because we have a lot of stuff to cover to try to explain. To, to really try to explain uh, this 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 picture, I think that's the best way for me to describe uh, what I'm trying to say. I'm going to paint for you guys in this segment a a a picture of that neon future of that uh, of of that world where there's 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 this weird sense of poverty and this weird sense of destitute and broken but everything's so high tech and advanced and futuristic i'm going to try to paint that picture for you of 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 smart cities of advanced technology but of 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 like of poverty of just broken and destitute cities and how that how that juxtaposition shouldn't make sense uh so i think the best way for me to do that is to briefly talk about this article that we brought up last week, how a father lost custody of his child due to thinking that COVID-19 was a scandemic. Now, earlier this week, I talked to you guys about how in China they were arresting family members or uh, taking children away from Christians, from Christian parents. I also talked about how in Italy they had a child sex trafficking ring that had been operating for 30 years. I basically broke down how children could be taken from their parents and then put inside of the state to become whatever, whatever happened from there. What I'm trying to say is they have to rob us of our roots, rob us of our foundation, rob us of our principles, our history, our legacy, so they can create a new identity for us, so they can give us who we're supposed to be. There shall be no humans in the technocracy, only transhumans. This is why they're trying to gradually get get you used to being dependent upon technology, gradually getting used to you being surveilled, gradually getting you used to just having it always there, having a symbiotic relationship with technology, saying that you're not allowed to do this, your phone tells you, and that's just the way that it is. 
Let me read a little bit of this, and then I'll continue on and try to start explaining stuff a little bit better. Uh, July 20th, Signs of the Time, Canada. A father who believes that COVID-19 is a scamdemic has lost custody of his child. It says, watching people fighting against having to wear masks or otherwise abide by legitimate public health guidelines, and you have to wonder about their, pale ch- their, par- their poor children. Who's protecting them from this insanity? Well, at least Ontario's family court is taking a dim view of separated parents who aren't acting in the best interest of their, ch- of their kids. In the latest case, a Toronto mother has won, has won interim sole custody of her child and $16,500 in legal costs after a judge issued a scathing ruling against the father for dismissing COVID-19 as a scamdemic. Quote, I am concerned about the respondent's refusal to take seriously the advice and guidance of experts and particularly medical experts when making decisions. Noted Ontario Superior Court Justice Jasmine Akarabali in a ruling said last week, quote, during, during a pandemic that the respondent refuses to is anything more than a scamdemic, it is in the child's best interest that the decisions about their health, schooling, and extracurricular activities be made by the parents who accept the public health concerns presented by the pandemic. The identities of the parents and the children are covered by a court-imposed publication ban. While admitting he's a loving father, the mother went to court after being concerned about her ex was endangering their child and other family members by attending large rallies protesting government measures taken around the COVID-19 pandemic. On social media, the judge said that the dad has been urging his followers to resist public health guidelines and is alleging that the World Health Organization should be held accountable for genocide against humanity. He claims deaths from the flu shot are greater than deaths from the COVID-19. He also boasts of hugging strangers. No wonder the mom is worried. The father told the court that he believes the government has overreacted to the virus and he agrees his views could be called unconventional. He also argued that children are at a lower risk from COVID-19 and that he was healthy and posed no risk to his children. Now, a lot of things going on there. The problem with this misinformation and the problem with having studies that can counter every opinion of however you feel is it's not really about being informed. It's about toting the party line, saying what they want you to say. And that was last week. Me talking to you about uh, a, a father losing custody of his child simply because he believed that COVID-19 was a scamdemic, right? You think, good Lord, that's insane. That's insane. Why would, a, why would somebody take that to court? Well, fast forward a couple days here, well, not, well, not here in America, but fast forward a couple days on the world clock And now you have China seizing children from Christian parents, threatening to send those kids to re-education camps. Yeah. How many times have we talked about China as a whole? And now, like, this is is atrocious. This scares the ever-living bejesus out of me. The fact that you could be considered a religious extremist and have your child taken from you because you don't want to go along with the scamdemic. So before I get into this, I want to read to you guys real quick something that I'm always mentioning that I just went and did. This comes from CBN News. It says, terrifying footage shows thousands of religious minorities held in Chinese thought transformation camps. And let me see. 
Oh my good golly gosh. Yeah, this is this is such a crazy and trippy video, my friends. I'm gonna read it to you real quick. It comes from uh Will Mao over there at Fanfire. They put this up ironically enough, uh July seventh, twenty nineteen. And I'll just read a little bit of it here and then play the clip for you guys. It says a widely disturbing port report from the BBC has revealed the sheer number of Muslims and other religious minorities being held against their will in educational detention centers. Though the government has been attempting to brand these facilities as, quote, schools, the reality could not be more different. Simply put, the government is seeking to rid this religious minority of their deeply held beliefs in exchange for a sole trust and faith in President Xi Jinping and the Chinese state. It is political indoctrination of an incredibly sinister nature. It says that, uh, but when the BBC journalist asks questions of those held, they espouse scripted, almost robotic answers. Quote, is it your choice to be here? One man asked. Yes, he replied without hesitation. A policeman at my village told me to get enrolled in the school and transform my thoughts. As interviews are conducted by a heavily screamed group of journalists, Chinese government agents watch on. And I'm just going to play this clip for you guys here. I'll put the rest of it in the article description bar below if you want to watch more. But just think about this. You know what, better yet, just, just, just think about this. China used to deny thought transformation camps. that these places exist. But now we're being given a The message, these are schools, not prisons. They are affected by religious extremism. Our purpose is to get rid of those extremist thoughts. But the more we ask, have you been convicted of a crime? I haven't committed crime. I just made a mistake. Are you able to pray here? The more evidence we try to gather of our own, the more questions there are. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims disappear into giant secure facilities. China has begun taking a few selected journalists inside. This is what it wants the world to see. Offered up as proof that these are not prisoners, but students. Being guided away from extremism. Is it your choice to be here? Look at this. Look at this. Real I, I remember. I remember whenever I saw this the first time. Look at this individual's man. This man's face. Audio listeners, you guys can't see it. This man has a bruise right across his right eye, like he got socked in the eye. And they just asked him, "Are you happy here?" He looks over to the side with hesitation and simply says, yes. He can only say yes because the Communist Party officials are watching. 
啊，我以前啊因非法啊法律也是单薄。He says, "I had a weak awareness of the law. I was influenced by extremism and terrorism." Always in the background, government officials watch over every interview. And this is how thoughts are transformed. So I'll put that link in the description bar below if you guys are very curious. I would hope so, because, like I said, this happened this week, and it screamed thought transformation center, thought transformation center, reeducation camps, thought transformation center. So let me go ahead and read this to you guys to to, to break it down to you. This is the techno serfdom, okay? This is technology. This is the technocracy. This is them saying that there shall be no other religion than the state. Right here, it comes from End Times headlines by Ricky Scaparo. They put this up July twenty seventh. China seizes children from Christian parents, threatens to send kids to reeducation camps. It says in the latest draconian crackdowns on Christians in China, the Communist Party is now threatening to send children to government reeducation camps. Or remove them by force from their adopted parents. The shocking report comes from a member of the China's Early Reign Covenant Church, according to the Christian Post. According to the report, a video that was released on Wednesday alongside a new report by International Christian Concern, Liao Qiang, who is a member of the ERCC in Chengdu, who is warning that the extreme persecution is continuing in China. In the video release, Kuyang stated that his family was forced to leave China and flee to Taiwan with his extended family. "Quote, because the Chinese Communist Party is limitless in their persecution. Quote, they not only threatened us, normal adult, normal church members, but they threatened our children." Kuyang said. "Quote, some of our members have adopted children, and the CPC forcibly sent the adoptive children back to the original family." That is the main reason why we fled China, because we cannot guarantee our adopted child would not be taken away by them. Guiyang reported that communist officials forcibly removed four adopted children from one ERCC family, returned them to their biological parents, and eventually dispersed them among other homes. "Quote: This is a living tragedy," Guiyang said. "Quote: Their constant oppression made me feel we must flee China because our children are more important to us." The Christian Post went on to state that. An earlier report from the ICC documented authorities forced removal of children from the home of church members Pianju and Jing Jinan.、Uh, CCP officials told them their adoption papers were no longer valid because their children were quote trapped by an evil religion. Quote in addition to seizing children from their Christian parents, the CCP also threatened to send Christian children to government reeducation camps and ordered parents to refrain from enrolling their children in such church schools. Kuyang said. So wasn't it? I forget the individual's name, but somebody from the from the World Health Organization said that we've got to figure out a way, respectfully, talking about contact tracing, to go in and remove. The family members. So, what is this? What 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 happened here? What happened to where government feels like it has such power that it can go out and remove people? That it can go out and tell people it's time for you to go. Techno serfdom. You see, but you see that's what I'm saying. Religion, there. 
religion supersedes man's law. There's natural law and then there's man's law. That's why we talk about it in that Bible quote that they mentioned in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 20, 25 through 26, that they'll change the laws, that they'll change the times. Only for a time, because it will have to get back to normal. But that's where these people are. They want to invert reality. They want to invert logic. But here, because we got to switch up. Just think about this, what they're willing to do to people who have religious views. That's why they won't even let you get religious exemptions if you don't want vaccines. That's what we saw uh, last year with the Orthodox Jews in uh, New York, that they were claiming their religion inhibited them from receiving vaccines because it had another, it had human body parts in it. Their religion doesn't allow for them to put other people's body parts inside of them. And so we're ha they're having to fight that. But see, to switch gears a little bit on this other half of this segment of, of techno serfdom, this is something we've kind of gradually been talking about. But to shift gears appropriately, I think the better way to, to, to come at this is to say, look at what's happening in the peripheral. Look at what's happening behind the scenes. Not the protests, not the virus, right? But what's happening because of all of this? We're not working Upwards of half of America isn't working. I'm going to be pulling up this article right now of 11 million evictions are coming over the next four months. Families not being able to eat. We posted this just before coming on to the air with you guys, that there are millions of family of, of, of American families that don't work right now. A lot of jobs are, are permanently lost. They're not coming back. Oh, but don't worry. Google told all of its employees that it could come back to work next year. So think about this. Because of this virus that has them snatching children out of homes, taking people away from, 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 from protests, taking people away from their homes, because of this virus, we have stopped working, we've stopped producing, we've basically crept, right? They call it the zombie economy now. Sustainable development is the easiest way to describe it. Because they have basically instituted poverty worldwide, we now have a whole nother set of problems coming. Techno serfdom. But what did I tell you throughout the entirety of this? The people who benefit from the economy shutting down is the telecom and the telehealth industries. Because everything still has to stay online, regardless of if everything's shut down. A coordination has to take place. You get the picture I'm painting for you? Let me read this and I'll continue on. Uh, right here, 11 million evictions coming over the next four months. This was put up by the George Report feed on July 27th. It says that uh, every year, about 2.3 million American renter households receive eviction papers at some point. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we might see that many evictions in just one month. Global advisory firm Stout, which input the National Coalition for a Civil Right to Council, uh, used census survey results and income data to develop a new eviction estimation that estimates how many households could be at risk of eviction as moratoriums end, courts reopen, and rent relief fall short. More than 16 million renter households are at risk of eviction, or according to the tools, and more than 11 million households could be served with eviction papers over the next four months. Since April, weekly census surveys have been asking Americans if they pay their last month's rent on time and how confident they are that they'll be able to pay next month. 
along with questions meant to assess employment status, food security, and other impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The stat eviction estimation tool com- combines uh, that with data about how burdened Americans are by income level. With a heavier rent burden, there's always a greater chance that someone's answer of having, quote, moderate confidence or, quote, no confidence that they can pay their rent will actually translate to an eviction or more rent instability, says John Olak, coordinator of NCCRC, which works to advance the right to counsel for basic human needs, such as housing. In most of the U.S., there's no right to counsel for housing court. On average, 90% of the landlords are represented in court, but only 10% of less of tenants are, which Pollock says skews how many how likely tenants are to win eviction cases. The tool, which will be uploaded or updated within census survey data each week, is aimed at policymakers. Users can look at state-by-state or national data uh, on estimated evictions, along with the amount of rent relief needed to possibly stabilize these households. Currently, the national estimated rent shortfalls, or the, the national estimated rent shortfall totals $22 billion. So it's like we're, we're, we're printing record amounts of money with this stimulus check, these, these, these stimulus, this $3 trillion historic stimulus money. We could bail people out, but it wouldn't do a darn thing. But that's not the point. What am I trying to talk about by bringing this up, by talking to you about the evictions that are coming, painting this picture about what's hung, about what's happening to the country right here. Millions of Americans are hanging by a thread as aid expires. This is, we are sitting on a time bomb. I think the easiest way for me to say it to you guys is the the economy we have right now is not going to be the economy we have in the coming months. You have nearly 30 million people in America that didn't have enough to eat last week. You got people being able to protest for 60 days straight in Portland, and nobody sees a problem with that. Let me, let me bring up something else that happened just before we went to break that, that should really put it into perspective. Almost now four weeks ago, three weeks comfortably, right? This happened back on June 30th. We brought we, this, this got put up. Close to half of all working age adults in the U.S. do not have a job right now. They do not have a job right now. Since the, since the pandemic began, more than 47 million Americans have filed new claims for unemployment benefits, and the mainstream media is going to make sure that the fear of COVID-19 continues to paralyze our society for the foreseeable future. So when I'm telling you that the economy we have right now is not going to be the economy we have in the future, this is why you guys need to start getting prepared. Flat out. There's really no other way to say it. If you have a job, thank the Lord that you still have it. You should start teaching yourself something new. Learn some new skills. Reach out to new uh, uh, new employers. Try to find new fields to get into because we, it's, it's, it's just getting started. Okay? Chaz and Chop should not be it's it's an anomaly in and of itself but it also is a symptom of the society and where we're at right now you got all these protests like i told you whenever they were going down these george floyd protests they got taken over and hijacked by anarchists and agitators they're burning down stores the supply line is breaking what happens they're shutting down meat packages too 
or meat, meat package plants too. What happens whenever you start, because we, we have a coin shortage, what happens whenever you start seeing shortages at your local store? It's not that people aren't working, it's that the country's shutting down. This is the, you could call it the socioeconomic reformation, or it could be the financial collapse, the upcoming collapse, however you would like to look at it. But these are still just more facts, more points that talk about like where, <laughs> where things are headed. You get me? And let me, let me pull up this article. We put it up just before we came onto the air. I want to read it uh, since we're talking about this topic. I just can't say this enough that the economy we have now is not going to be the economy we have in the future or at least next year. The same way the the internet that we have right now is not the internet we had last year or the year before last. There's so much stuff that happened in between. The changes have, the, the changes have come and we can't go back. Right here, nearly 50% of all the jobs lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, quote, may be gone permanently permanently they don't get to just work from home they're not coming back there are no jobs for them to come back to they said they needed like what like 600,000 contact tracers for the entire nation that's got jack diddley to do with the millions of americans that don't have jobs right now that aren't working where are they going to have to go they're going to have to get on unemployment they're going to have to get on uh, uh, government assistance there's a, there's a there's a there's another article attached to that but i want to i'll bring it up after this talks about the food shortage, people not having enough food to eat, but think about it right here. More of the psychology of what's going on, furthering people into debt, this type of talk, right? Los Angeles considering paying the infected to, stay, to self-quarantine. So you got millions of Americans not working right now. People are figuring out that COVID-19 is an overgrown hoax. They've got to figure out a way to get those numbers up. So what, is, what does Los Angeles say? Let's start getting cases up by, by appealing to people who, who, who need money, we'll pay you to say you're sick. We'll pay, so you've got to think about where people's heads are at. Oh, I can get unemployment. I can collect more from not working. Plus, you're going to send me my, Trump's, my Trump bucks and my stimulus check. And now you're going to pay me to say that I'm, I'm, I'm infected. Do you see the, the doubling down on the, on the delusion, on the lie? So while we're sitting over here trying to get to the truth of coronavirus, the nature of the virus, studying things like your, your immune system and more, people don't care about that. They're broken. They're, put into, they're, they're, they're fearful. They've been traumatized. They can barely eat. They don't care about the truth. So they'll do whatever it takes. They'll say whatever they have to say to get that money, to get that food on the table. Let me read a little bit of this, and I'll jump back to that other article. Uh, we put this up July 30th. It comes from the Judge Report feed. It says the Los Angeles City Council is considering plans to pay Angelinos who test positive for COVID-19 to stay home. A motion introduced Wednesday by Council Member David Ryu would establish a $25 million, quote, wage replacement program for any Los Angeles resident, regardless of income, immigration status, or criminal record. To be eligible... Individuals would have to agree to self-isolate and provide public health information to Los Angeles County contact tracers, Ryu said. 
The councilman's proposal cited data showing communities of color, low-income communities, and immigrants are more likely to be infected with COVID-19 and suffer from a higher mortality rate. They are also more likely to work in essential jobs that cannot be done from home and interface regularly with the public, according to Ryu. Quote, the only way out of this crisis is through increased testing and staying at home if you're sick, Ryu said. Quote, if we bend the curve, we need to make it possible for everyone to stay home when they're sick, no matter their income or immigration status. Similarly, Council President Nuri Martinez introduced a motion Wednesday asking for a report for a plan to provide up to $50 million in direct paycheck assistance to help low-income families with rent, food, and other expenses. Martinez says the, quote, right to recover motion aims to emulate a program that assists working poor Latinos in San Francisco's Mission District to pay them to stay home when they get infected with COVID-19. Quote, while Latinos are dying at twice the rate of white Angelinos in L.A. County from COVID-19, Many of the safeguards meant to assist, including federal relief, are not reaching poor immigrant Latinos and others who often work as essential workers or simply do not have medical insurance or paid leave and cannot afford to stay home. Martinez's motions recommends tapping the Federal CARES Act funding L.A. received to provide up to $50 million for her proposal. The $2.2 trillion Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, CARES Act, signed into law by President Trump in March, excludes undocumented immigrants from receiving aid. So I'm sure you all have people saying, oh, you don't want the immigrants to get aid. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to look at how the system is positioning itself so that people can become more dependent upon it. This is one of the biggest wealth divides of our history. Well, I'm telling you, they are, boy, boy, I'm telling you, they are eliminating the middle class. That's essentially what I tried to start this episode off talking about. Think about this. This is nuts. Paying people to not work, paying people to self-quarantine, paying people to lie. Because of this right here, you've got nine, you've, you've got 30 million people in America that didn't have enough to eat last week. Food, and we've talked about this before, food insecurity is a real thing. That's why with, with this, this break in the storm that we have right now, get storable goods. Begin to change your diet. Start reaching out to your neighborhood, man. I'm telling you, the economy we have now is not going to be the economy we have in the future. I want to read a little bit of this just to, again, paint that picture for you. We put this up July 30th. It comes from the Judge Report feed. It says food insecurity for U.S. households last week reached its highest reported level since the Census Bureau started tracking the data in May, with almost 30 million Americans reporting that they had not had enough to eat at some point in the seven days through July 21st. In the Bureau's weekly household post survey, roughly 23.9 million of 249 million residents or respondents indicated that they had, quote, sometimes not enough to eat for the week ended July 21st, while about 5.42 million indicated that they had, quote, often not enough to eat. The survey, which began with the week ended May 5th, was published Wednesday. The number of respondents who sometimes had insufficient food was at its highest point in the survey's 12 weeks. The number who often experienced food insecurity was at its highest since the week ended May 26th. 
This follows deep recession resulting from the pandemic, which put millions of Americans out of work. Unemployed Americans have been receiving an extra $600 per week benefit, which is set to expire at the end of July as Congress debates a new relief package. So people are starving. Remember what I said over there on uh, Instagram Live earlier this week with you guys? That we, American excellence, we got to the point where we had produced so much wealth that we had created uh, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, uh, charity drives, and donation centers so we could figure out what to do with all this abundance and excellence. Well, because we stopped working and because our minds and our culture stopped working a long time ago, we are no longer excellent. We have now hit third world status or at least second world status. I said this throughout. I said this at the start of Trump's presidency. I said it throughout his presidency, and I'm saying it right now. Obama was designed to bring us to a third world status. Trump was trying to bring us back up to a first world status, and we're going to peter out somewhere on the second world status, and that's where we're at right now. The country's collapsed. We're having to embrace what will eventually become regionalism. You see. This is so sophisticated that people don't, they don't understand. But because I eat, sleep, and breathe this, I can see it. I can see it. Now, what, now, think about this, gang. I've been talking about this, like, I've been trying to figure out how to explain this. Think about this. The country is basically becoming extremely cheap is the easiest way to say it. The country's collapsing. Prices are going all over the place. We're gonna, we are perfect to get bought up right now. The biggest wealth divide all over the place. You know, you got Jeff Bezos pulling in records amounts of money. You know, you've got to think about this. No one's taking care of the country. You know, government's failing us. <laughs> Politicians are corrupt. We have no idea where our taxpaying dollars to go unless they're like, you know, sending people home in caskets and stuff like this. Think about this. And this pandemic made it even worse. And who's making money throughout this, this, this whole pandemic, my friends? The tech heads. The technocrats. So that picture that I just briefly tried to paint for you there. 11 million evictions coming. 30 million Americans not having food. 50% of jobs no longer being there. People being able to protest for 60 days straight. Good Lord. I can't even remember doing something. I can't, I can't do that for 60 days straight. You see this picture I'm trying to paint for you guys. Well, check this out. This is an astute article from Mint Press News. I had the pleasure of meeting them last year at the uh, United for Common Ground Media Summit in Texas. It says, tech giants, I lucrative rent market as an end to the eviction moratorium could leave millions homeless. How would you feel if, you're, if, if your house was no longer owned by the bank, but instead owned by Jeff Bezos? We're talking smart cities. We're talking technocrats. Bates has a plot of land out there in Arizona where he is trying to do the very same thing. Develop it into a smart city. But see, he doesn't want to do it on an existing city. Ugh. It's archaic. It's falling. It's crumbling. He's got to create something else. Remember last year we talked about pods, right? Coffin apartments and that whole deal. 
I hope this picture I'm painting for you regarding techno serfdom makes sense. Let me read a little bit of this. It comes from Mint Press News. It's by Raul Diego. They put this up July 24th. It says, in a normal pre-pandemic economy, a number roughly equal to the population of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or about 3.7 million people, are evicted every month in the United States, which we just went over. According to the Matthew Despond Principal Investigator of Princeton's University's Eviction Lab Project, which tracks evictions throughout the country and produces the final, the first nationwide eviction database. It come Friday, last Friday, July 24th, those numbers could rise precipitously should the moratorium of, on evictions include, in, included in the CARES Act be allowed to expire. The legislation afforded renters with a 120 days grace period from, quote, fees, penalties, or charges in relation to non-payment of rent and barred landlords from filing eviction notices of any kind during that period. The situation facing low-income communities is exceedingly harsh when considering the the endemic economic disparity that characterizes cash-poor communities with scant access to any sort of financial resources or affordable credit. Studies on wealth inequality have shown time and again how excessive rent burdens can leave families on the brink of homelessness over relatively minor unexpected emergencies like a simple car repair or a doctor's visit. A semi-permanent renter's class has developed among poor African Americans in particular. One in 11 people who fall into this demographic face eviction every year. For the rest of the United States, the rates is 1 in 20. African American communities and other communities of color are the most vulnerable to the approaching deadline, which not only opens the door for the resumption of eviction filings, but also brings potentially large bills of fees and penalties, which the CARES Act allowed to accrue for 120 days. So far, few lawmakers have come out against the end of the moratorium, despite the uncertainty and the great potential for popular unrest this is likely to cause. Some cities like Houston have already lifted the eviction freeze, leading many in the legal profession to expect a tsunami of eviction filings. The prospect of homelessness looms larger over working families living, over, living on incomes under 40000 a year, 40% of which is lost as a, as a source of employment in March, according to Seamus Roller of the National Housing Law Project. Milwaukee and Cleveland are two of the cities most at risk, with a 40% of jumps in eviction rates from their typical levels at this time of year. The American Bar Association's Task Force Committee on Evictions revealed that a staggering 28 million homes are at risk of coming under eviction orders due to the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. Emily Bimfner, who chairs the ABA committee, is also the co-creator of the COVID-19 housing policy scorecard put out by the eviction lab. I'm going to kind of fast forward uh, a little bit for you guys because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, don't want to talk too much because we do have to continue on. But I do want you guys to kind of understand what's going on. Uh, it says anti Eviction demonstrations are starting to sprout up around the country with organizations like Cancel the Rent Movements and Kansas City Tenants stage protests against the imminent expiration of the moratorium. Some states or some state governments like Andrew Cuomo's office are taking initiatives to implement rental assistance programs. The federal government is joining the course through U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar's Rent and Mortgage Cancellation Act of 2020 a bill co-sponsored by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and 27 others, which calls for the effective annulment of rent and mortgages due for the undefined period of the COVID-19 pandemic 
and proposes the creation of a landlord relief fund for property owners to recoup their losses. He says, on the occasion of Facebook's investment, California Governor Gavin Newsom declared that the state government cannot solve housing affordability alone and praised the public-private partnership for advancing its tight fight or its fight against economic inequality and social mobility. What they're saying is that Facebook is investing money. Facebook, Google, and Apple are all investing. I think I skipped over that like one part. <laughs> I skipped over the one part where it talks about Facebook investing $1 billion, uh, Google investing $2.5 billion, and I can't see what, what, what Apple invested. But they're investing in this fund. They want to be able to buy America up for pennies on the dollar. You've got to think about that. You've got to think about that. But what would be the benefit behind having, behind buying up all the land, behind buying up all the infrastructure? Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I just think it's crazy because, again, you've got Google workers staying at home to work for 2021 contact tracers getting jobs and stimulus checks are worthless people are hurting and they have no idea what to do i don't know what to do i don't know what to do this is that techno serfdom you see we are at the mercy of our technocratic overlords if they ever so choose to help us out crazy 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 I have to bring up two things, and I'll begin to close this out for you guys. Uh, just to, again, paint the picture of what's all going on, or at least for you, to guys, for you guys to see kind of where I'm coming at. We have these protests that are going on in Portland, Oregon, at, for 60 days, man. Destabilization taking place nationwide, but nobody seems to pay attention to what's going on with Ghislaine Maxwell, Hillary Clinton appearing in court on September 9th. The Jeffrey Epstein logs being, uh, being, being released. These guys right here, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, Tim Cook, and Jeff Bezos, all appearing before Congress to testify. Nobody pays attention to that. That's how much power the technocrats have. They're able to do things in the peripheral without you even noticing. They're able to socially engineer and manipulate the masses with such precision that people can't tell they're being played. This is nuts. So I'll read this and I'll get into uh, criminal filings against Mark Zuckerberg. But right here, big tech CEOs released their prepared remarks ahead of a historic hearing. So a few, a few hours prior to them basically having to nut up for what they said and did, they released their own, <laughs> their own narratives. It says, in a few hours, the CEOs of Amazon, Google, Apple, and Fedbook will testify before House lawmakers over allegations of anti-competitive practices. For members of the House Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee, it will be their sixth hearing in the investigations into, six, into, into Silicon Valley antitrust accu accusations. As Politico notes, quote, the session also arrives as scrutinies of the behemoth is surging across the globe, including an expected Justice Department antitrust case against Google in the recent launch of two European probes, 
of potential anti-competitive behavior by Apple. It will also mark the first time Jeff Bezos, the world's richest man, has offered testimony before Congress, albeit via video conference, while House Judiciary lawmakers will attend both virtually and in person in a hybrid format, according to the report. That said, today's showdown could go down, could go one of two ways, fireworks or snooze fest. It went in fireworks. If you guys didn't check it out, uh, it was actually pretty, it wasn't, it wasn't as intense as I would like for it to be, but the same way you saw Bill Gates shuck and jive whenever he was asked about uh, vaccines, you'll see these guys shuck and jive when asked about censoring people, uh, marketing, market dominance, and so much more. It says, if House Democrats jump off script from antitrust issues and press the CEOs over online hate speech, or if GOP members drill them over their anti-conservative bias, things could get interesting. And it definitely was. Even the format of the questioning, four elite CEOs all appearing by via video conference because of the coronavirus pandemic could make it harder for the members to land a glove on the company's varied issues, ranging from Google and Fedbook's command of digital ad revenue to Apple's control of its app store and questions about whether app, whether Amazon misled Congress. And they definitely did. This is what I mean by techno serfdom. This is the new Illuminati. That's what people need to understand. These are the real controllers. And even then, uh, they're just figureheads for the people that fund them. But, but you get what I'm saying. This is techno serfdom. It is who works through Fedbook. It's, work, it's who works through Google, YouTube, Twitter, Apple. It's who works through them that throws those, throws those orders on down to us that we just gobble up. You see? So they're having historic hearings, but you wouldn't hear a word of it on the mainstream news. You won't hear a word of it because people don't understand what it means. That's the sad truth. It's not COVID. It's not racism. People don't understand the importance of what having the CEOs of these major companies testifying before Congress means. So I'll say this and then. We'll get into our, uh, our, our, our final uh, article. Maybe we can get this up. It says Congressman files criminal charges against Mark Zuckerberg. That's right, you're a criminal. And that's not nearly enough of what needs to get done. I know a lot of this is political theater, but again, it sets that tone. It allows for us to have that narrative to really open up that discussion, okay, of, okay, what is FedBook doing? Should we be operating on these platforms? Like I mentioned earlier in the show with, with, with Jeff Bezos, he believes that he is now fundamental to the American infrastructure and needs to be allowed to operate. Right here, Congressman files criminal referral against Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. This is written by Tim Brown over there at the Sons of Liberty Media. They put this up July 29th. It says, on Monday, just prior to having a meeting with big tech executives on Capitol Hill, Representative Matt Gates filed a criminal referral against Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg for making materially, fa materially false statements to Congress while he was under oath in previous hearings. It's true. In the hearing where you see him sitting <laughs> on a... Uh, on an easy chair, on one of those chairs where they uh, let you rise up on them. I forget what they're called. It's like a little insert thing. 
he's so tiny he has to have like one of those uh, cushions so he can see you know like he's bigger than he is he's a little man but uh, anyway to begin closing this segment out I have one final article I'd like to bring up with you guys and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you on your way I think this article, if you want the truth, summarizes everything that we've always talked about, everything that we've always warned about, and why it's important that we just call out what's happening time and time again, uh, from Bill Gates to vaccines to the satanic ritual abuse to all of the things and more. Uh, it's even more important that we bring this up. Oh, that's why I couldn't find it. They said that it was fake news or false or misleading information. I'm trying to get up this article about a bill that has been passed in Michigan that allows for the voluntary implanting of microchips in government and state employees. Does that scream techno serfdom to you? Does that make sense now? Right? So not not COVID-19 green codes and green passes to where you're allowed to go inside and outside but to where if you're working for the state, you're going to get one of these shots right here. House passes bill to, quote, voluntarily begin placing human implantable microchips into the bodies of all state government employees. This is written by Eddie Levine over there at World Truth TV. They put this up July 22nd, and it originally comes from Now the End Begins. But before I read this to you guys, just really think about everything we've already said in this episode. I've played for you guys thought transformation camps up and running over there in China. Uh, I'm telling you that they're snatching children, snatching Chinese Christian children from the parents because they have what they consider religious extremism. We are in the days of prophecy. We are in revelation. This is the new normal. This is the technocracy. This is the mark of the beast. This is the new world order. And as we reach as we reach these points closer and closer, it's going to seem like there's no wiggle room out for us, but the only way out for us is to respectfully disengage. I talked about that before with this corporate culture takeover, right? That we have got to create like our own culture, that pro human Renaissance based future. We have to divest from this mainstream society and begin to create like a raft for us because that's where it's at. Like I told you, 11 million people facing eviction, uh, 50% of all jobs no longer coming. Half of America is no longer working. What happens when the only jobs we have either come from corporations or from the state? It doesn't come from mom and pop shops anymore. The entrepreneurial spirit has been killed. You see, they're trying to burn down the house and burn down the ladder at the same time. So we have to take those ashes and build something new with it. Let me read this so I can start closing stuff out for you guys. It says Michigan State Representative Brianna Kale sponsored the successful bill. And while the microchips are not widely used throughout the state, she believes that they will become standard in the coming years. Quote, with the technology or with the way technology has increased over the years and as it continues to grow, it's important Michigan job providers balance the interest of the company with their employees' expectations of privacy, said the bill's sponsor, Michigan State Representative Brianna Kale. Quote, while these miniature devices are on the rise, so are the calls of workers to have their privacy protected. The bill would be introduced by the state Senate where, if it passes, Governor Gretchen Whitmer will be able to sign the legislation into Michigan law. 
The Michigan House passed a bill making implanted company microchips voluntary for employees, according to a local ABC News report. People have been placing microchips. People have been placing implantable microchips in their bodies for years now, and we've chronicled that over the years for you. Now, the state of government, the state government of Michigan, has passed a bill that will call for all state government employees to receive microchips inside of their body. But don't worry, Governor Gretchen Richmer, the same person who wants to do date abortion, has reassured everyone that it will be quote voluntarily or voluntary. After thinking about that long and hard, all I have to say is think about it still. And now we're talking about the mark of the beast. Your COVID-19 green pass, your exposure levels. Quote, as he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man may buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred score, or six hundred three score and six. Revelation chapter thirteen, verses sixteen through eighteen. Is this really where we are? Is this really where things stand? American citizens receiving microchips from the government? Yep, that's exactly where we are. We told you this was coming. Welcome to the first wave of voluntary microchip implantations. The second wave will be less voluntary, and the third wave will be under the Antichrist himself. It starts with this. It starts with Dr. Anthony Fauci saying, shut up, put your mask and gloves on. Oh, now put your goggles on. Now download this app so we can see whether or not you're with the program. Oh, now you're with the program. Okay, so line up. Hashtag trust the plan. QAnon told you. Hashtag trust the plan. Roll up them sleeves. Trump's Operation Warp Speed vaccine containing these nanotech chips is going in you. I can only hope that that's not the case. I can only hope that we'll begin to see a small pocket of resistance because you've got to understand that's where the whole 3% thing comes from, right? You don't need the masses to win the war. You just need a small, dedicated few of people who see the tyranny and are working diligently to fight it because this cannot persist. This is not sustainable. There's a lot of different things going on in this world of ours, but this will not persist. What will persist is our will, our perseverance, our joy towards life. And this moment that we're in right now, it is only but that, a moment of disparity where the where the evil has to get drugged up from the bottom, it's got to be exposed and revealed so that we can transform it, transmute ourselves at the same time and, and, and become who we're supposed to be. This won't last forever. It shouldn't have even gotten started, but now that it did get started, it is here. This is our life. All we can do is deal with it and move on to a better tomorrow. Yes, things are grim, and they're going to get a lot worse. I didn't plug... My Patriot Supply at all in this segment like I had in my notes too. But I think you get the picture. The economy we have right now is not going to be the economy we have in the future. If you're not getting prepared now, you're not paying attention. And I said this whenever the COVID-19 stuff started happening. You have to match your awareness with preparedness. And what do we say when we started talking about the evolution of warfare, adding on a whole new category, the financial warfare aspect 
People have to understand the peripheral events that were being attacked attacked by. Not the things that we're seeing head on. How these things affect us in the aggregate on the peripheral and that we can't see. That's what we're trying to look at. That's what I'm trying to bring to your guys' attention. And that's why we're here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Fueling the Feud, Controlling COVID, and Techno Surfdom. However, ladies and gentlemen, that's on our really behalf for you guys and gals. I know, as always, we went over a whole lot and not really anything at the same time. Just enough information to bring you up to speed with all the other current events that are going on. Uh, but like I said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. Also, if you'd like to support this operation, think about becoming a patreon.com forward slash freedom faction exclusive member. We'll be launching our web app here soon, and your guys' support and donations keep us in the game. But like I said, if you guys have any more questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant, expose lies, and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, out.